Welcome to the Tim Hill Podcast. If you have the time, you can not only listen to the episodes, but you can also watch all the shows and you'll find the links in the description below. Thank you. The Tim Hill Thirsty Thursday live stream from 7 until 9 weekly. Here's your host, Tim Hill. So for now, we're just going to take a short, we'll say a short break. And I'm taking a short break just to let you know what's coming up in the next few weeks. So I'm just going to give you a quick heads up. And the reason I'm doing that is because we're going to um, not just have this go out as a two-hour thing. We're going to drop it down into four half-an-hour segments. So if you don't get a chance to watch the whole thing, you can watch parts of it. So this is this week. This is the bereavement special. And I think you'll agree that the, the guests that we've had on so far have been pretty awesome. I've got a couple more guests coming that are going to be equally as awesome and their stories is equally as harrowing. Next week is the, the Veteran Suicide Special. I'm, I'm working through the figures at the moment. It looks, on average, in the UK, there are roughly around about between five and 6,000 people a year taking their lives in this country. And a vast majority, or a, a large number of those, are veterans and we need to identify the problems and help and let them know that there's help out there and we need to have that conversation suicide is is a terrible thing but it shouldn't be stigmatized the following week is the archaeological special and you know you want to come in for that one that's going to be fascinating and and the way that we're going to be looking at that is, yes, we're looking at the archaeology side of it, but we're also going to look at why, what happens on, uh, you've got a big construction site, and all of a sudden they dig up some bones. They close the site down. Everything has to stop. They call the archaeologists in. The archaeologists, the archaeologists are under immense pressure, immense pressure to to. to Get the site open again. That's going to have an, a bit of effect on the mental health. And that's the that's what we're going to be looking at, that sort of effect. Yes, we're going to look at the archaeological side of it, and, and, and that's going to be fascinating because we've got, um, we've got a marine archaeologist, we've got some land archaeologists, and an environmental archaeologist. So those four aspects of, of archaeology that we're going to be looking at, it's going to be a fascinating show. 13th of October, I'm working on a little project. Hopefully it's all going to come together, but it involves dogs. Um, but I'll let you know if I can pull that off. The following week, toying with the idea of either having an open forum like we had last month, or I might do a special on cancer. And, uh, and I've got something working on there. 3rd of November, another date for your diary. I've got a couple of fighter pilots going to join me and I'm hoping to get a couple more fighter pilots coming in. So in the meantime, if you want, you can buy me a coffee. So, back to the guests. Um, Richard, I think, um, can you tell your story? I certainly can. Hi, hi everybody. Um, my story goes back probably... Seven or eight years, um, my partner Becky 
uh, was um, came to what well, I actually rescued her from a, an abusive marriage, and uh, we met frequently for probably two years, and then in twenty sixteen, I um, the the last draw was that um, he was abusing her and um, everything else, and she rang me crying her eyes out. And um, I rescued her, basically. Excuse the cat behind me. <laughs> and um, I said, well, you can't you can't go on like this. So uh, I rescued her, and um, she stayed with my sister for a couple of months. And then she said, oh, I can't be doing with this. So uh, I, I took her in. And um, we lived together for um, five and a half years. And uh, the story goes, within the last three years, she suffered badly with her health. And um, she, um, she had to um, have a stoma because her, um, her large bowel was um, defunct. So she had to have a, a, a stoma. And over the, th the last three years, she, um, she gradually went downhill. She had severe asthma. She had a stoma, she had a permanent um, catheter and everything else. Go down, you're not sitting on me. <laughs> Sorry about that. And um, her health just gradually got worse and worse. So um, she was going in and out of hospital for maybe two and a half years when she had the stoma done in 2019. But um, over the last 18 months or so, before she was in and out of hospital probably once every two three months and she was in there for quite a long quite a long spell and then last year it um her health went really downhill she, she was on steroids she put lots and lots of weight on her mental health was was failing and and, and everything else so she went to see um psychiatrists and uh, psychologists and, and everything else and they were putting her on medication, and that didn't help. They put her on more steroids, and, and she, she went from sort of from 12 stone to 22 stone, and that didn't help her at all. Um, <clears throat> but anyway, uh, from the beginning of last year, 2021, she must have been in hospital six, seven times. And the last time bef uh, was this year. She went in at the end of January, um, and it was really serious. And uh, she she called me into the bedroom and she said, "I think I'm, I'm I, I think I'm dying." So um, I said, "Well, what's the problem?" She said, and she was she was being she was spewing up brown, horrible, smelly bile, and it was absolutely awful. And I was making making a drink and everything else, but it, it came to came to her head at the end of January this year, where um, I called. Um, 999 and they came at 5 o'clock in the morning and, and took her into hospital in Leicester I was sat at home I couldn't go in obviously because of Covid uh, I was sat here at home and at 2 o'clock in the afternoon uh, the, 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 the consultant rang me up and he said I think you need to come to the hospital now so I said well it will take me at least half an hour to get there from where I live to, to get into Leicester so I got there and uh, they'd um, they sedated her, but they hadn't put her on a on a uh, uh, ventilator. 
and she was sedated. And he said, uh, I need your permission to, um, to operate, to do an exploratory operation. I said, you can, you can do anything you want so long as you keep her alive. So um, I gave him permission and he said, would you like to see her? So I went into the um, accident department at uh, Leicester Royal Infirmary and uh, she was sedated. She obviously didn't know I was there, but um, they said, we're going to take her down for a, uh, um, um, a scan. And came back and they said, we need to operate right now, but it's that serious. So anyway, they did that. And um, I, I came back home and I was really upset, you know, because I was, I was uh, feared for her life. And uh, they operated that, that evening. And um, the next day, he said, well, we've done the operation. It's, it's been a success. Um, they removed the stoma that she had previously. And they removed two metres of a bowel from where the stoma was. And I said, well, what, what was the reason of that? And she said, well, uh, the, the reason was that her bowel had died, basically. So uh, they removed that and they replaced the stoma in the same site as it was before. So I, I um, um, was really glad of that. And unfortunately, the next day, I had to play a last post at a funeral for a, for a guy from uh, my um, last regiment. And uh, just as I got in the car, uh, this other surgeon rang me up and he said, um, are you are you okay? I said yes, I'm fine. He said, "Well, we we had to put Becky into a coma." I said, "Oh, it was that serious?" And he said, "Yes, and we had to do the operation, otherwise she would have died anyway." And what it what happened was, with the the bowel being dead, it was poisoning her major organs, her liver, kidneys, and her heart. And um, I said, "Okay," so she was in a coma for ten days. I went in every single day and I took music in because we both play in a brass band. And obviously she came everywhere with me when we played in the band and, and when I used to play last post at funerals and everything. And um, after 10 days, uh, she, she came out of the coma. And then um, they put her onto a, a surgical unit. A surgical... Yeah, they don't count. I mean, cat is a nuisance, isn't he? You, you, you saw him last time, Tim. Yeah. <laughs> he's a nuisance. He's, he's great. He's in, great. He's a pain in the backside. And well, um, to do that. <laughs> well, I know. No, he loves it. He's a beautiful cat. But, but anyway, um, they put her onto a surgical ward. And um, to me personally, I thought the care on that ward was absolutely atrocious. Um, but, and. Um, they, they, they used to bring bring physios in and, and, and all that, and they had nobody from the mental health team come to see her. And um, she'd been there for about a week. And then this sister came up to me and she said, oh, we're going to uh, discharge Becky next Friday. I said, no, you're not. I said, the only time you're going to discharge her if you put if you put a care plan in place, which they didn't do. So she stayed in for another week or so. And uh, they said, well, the best environment for Becky's um, rehabilitation would be to be in her own environment. So I said, OK, you can do that. But I want a care plan in place. 
So they said, yes, we, we've got it all in place. So they gave me a sealed envelope with a discharge letter and everything else. And when, when I got back home, I read the discharge letter. They didn't put a care plan in place. So I was not a very happy bunny. Um, and then consequently, after 10 days of being at home, she uh, she passed away with, with me in the car, hmm. which was uh, really sad. But uh, nobody noticed that I, I told her to get in touch with the patient liaison people at the hospital, which she did. And they said, oh, yes, we'll, we'll get in touch with the various um, agencies to come out and um, look look after Becky and this, that and the other. But nobody came out. The only person that came out was a stoma nurse. And she came out on the Monday, and that had been after her being out 10 days. And then Tuesday Tuesday morning, I, I, I got her up ready because I was driving to North Wales to go and play last post at a military funeral. And you know all about my, my bugling anyway, Tim, when, when we served together. Yeah, absolutely. Down, cut. <laughs> <laughs> and um, we was, we was, I, I got her in the car. And... She got in the car okay. She she pulled herself up with a grab handle inside the door to so she could shuffle her onto the seat. And I got a swung around with her legs in and put a seatbelt on. I put the, uh, a wheelchair in the, in the back of the car, and I said, "Right, we're off. We're going to the seaside because we was going to North Wales to, near Rill <laughs> to play last post for a, for a military funeral." So anyway, we started off. Got on the M1 motorway driving north. And uh, just before I turned onto the A50 to get to North Wales, I said to her, are you all right, sweetie? And she didn't answer. And uh, I actually got onto the A50 and I said, well, you're not talking to me then. And a couple of seconds after that, I put my hand down the side of her seat and her, her, her hand was freezing cold. And I knew then that there was something wrong. So I pulled into a, 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 a lay-by on the, on the side of the road and uh, she was dead. So I rang 999 and being military as I was um, and trained uh, medical, um, trained as a medic as well, I uh, pushed the seat back and started doing CPR and within two or three minutes uh, an ambulance car turned up and that's when we got her out of the car and started doing the defib. Well, I knew I knew then that she, she there was nothing they could do. So I never made the funeral in North Wales. I ended up going to Derby Royal Infirmary instead. And um, they pronounced her dead there. But I knew she was dead beforehand. And it was so sad. I, I was so professional because being in the army, you, you know, you see yeah. death and all this, that and the other. But you, you know, you know and, and we are close. We were all close friends in the military, as you know, Tim. And uh, we've, lo we've lost guys in the battalion, you know, and, mm. um, and a whole lot. But it's it's not the same as losing somebody as close as as a, as a partner or a wife or you know whatever and family members. And prior to that, the month before that, but well, in in January, I lost one of my sisters, mm. and she was she was handicapped and she couldn't talk, but she could walk, and that was because when I was a young lad, the doctors said uh, that she'd never be able to walk. And I said, "Oh yes, she will." And I taught her how to walk, but she couldn't. T she couldn't talk or anything. And, and she would have been sixty this year, but she died in January this year before her sixtieth mm -hmm. birthday. So I, I, I was grieving for my sister at the time. Becky died mm -hmm. the way she did. 
And tragic. But even now, you know, and, and, and way before that, when when she was ill before Christmas, or even when she was ill two years ago, she said to me, "If anything happens to me, you've got to get on with your life." Hmm. And I, I'm a true believer in that. But it's like Catherine said. Um, it's no, to me personally, it's no good grieving in silence. And I can't do that because I'm not that sort of person. Because I've got, I've been, I've been so busy of, since Becky died in just over six months ago. As you know, I, I've played all over the, I play all over the country playing at military funerals. Yeah. It doesn't matter whether he's um, in the Royal Navy, is you know, he a and Royal Marine, or he's in the Army or the Royal Air Force. I'll, I'll play for anybody that need a bugler. And you, you know what stand, my standards. <laughs> planes yeah. like we've, no, we've known each other for a long long time even in the battalion and yeah. um, and that's what i've been doing i've been playing with my brass band and i've got so much support through them and they love becky to bits because she played in the band with me and um I've, i find it difficult when when i see something on tv and it it makes me think back to what becky and i had over the last five and a half years of being together hmm. and um and she she was a before she came to before i you know we, we came together she used to ride horses she used to do equestrian she was a she used to do cross country and and teach people to ride and all this that and the other and playing a brass band as well where she played in staffordshire with and you know and uh, with a band there and, and played with several bands that i played for as well and the last band that we that I still play for and Becky played for is uh, a band in Newall near Swaddlingcote in Leicestershire, with South Derbyshire, and um, the support I've got off all those people, even even friends from our battalion. Yeah, I've, I've got hundreds of yeah. friends on Facebook, you know, and serving with two two regiments, um, like with the Royal Anglian Second Battalion Royal Anglian Regiment, the Poachers, <laughs> and, and then. Transferring to to the Royal Regiment of Fusiliers as a drum major, Met, I've got hundreds and hundreds of friends from both regiments. Mm. And yesterday, and I beyond. actually, well, yeah, you know, we we all we all know each other, and and we had a laugh at Harry's funeral not so long Indeed, back. You yeah. know what I mean? Absolutely. When when I was stood at the back, and Ian Wilkins was in his wheelchair, and and, and there were so many people at Harry's funeral, it was unreal. Yeah. And I'm stood in the foyer to play last post, and all the guys from the battalion saying, "We'll be listening." I said, "Yeah, just like you did when I was on duty in the battalion and all that." You know, and it, it was a fantastic funeral. And uh, when I, it was so funny, Harry's funeral. But I, I think back to when I arranged Becky's funeral as well, hmm. and it was all based around um, music, basically. Everything, everything at the funerals, but was based around music. I had a brass band to play. My brass band played, and, and several guests that Becky knew and um, played her favourite tunes uh, and everything else. And um, right at the end, when, when, in fact, when I did her tribute, I made it so funny and, and comical and, and, and whatever because some of the things that we used to do and, and everything else. But when, when it when it was time for me to say goodbye, that's when I cracked. Yeah. 
But um, she's still that's here. Probably one of the hardest moments. It was. Is, is that is that that final sort of goodbye? But the thing was, the thing was, we me and Becky bounced off each other. She was a blooming good player. And um, I, I went uh, one. There was one time. It's just it's a short little story. There was one time I um, I went out to my car, and Becky happened to pick my uh, my instrument up out of my case, and she was playing to a guy who was probably one of the most renowned players in the world, who played a soprano cornet, which is a different pitch to what I play, and she picked up my my cornet. And she was playing along with this guy on, on YouTube. And I said, what are you doing? She said, I'm playing, playing along with Peter Roberts. And I said, you're playing it on a B-flat corner? She said, yeah, I'm transposing. And I said, you cheeky son. <laughs> so I said, I can't do that. I'm an experienced musician. And, and we just bounced off each other. No matter what, we always used to bounce off each other. You know, I'd, I'd make a comment, she'd make a comment back. And we'd just, bat, you know, like we do, and bounce yeah, off each other. bit of banter. And it, yeah, it was. It was all banter. And there was no, you know, there was... We had such a fantastic relationship; it was unreal. But when she died, it's 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 even now. You know, I, I look at her photos, and um, I'm looking at her photo now that somebody put a collage together from her funeral, and um, it's it's just surreal. You know mm. the, the way it happened, and. I thought I'd blame myself because she, she said to me on the morning that we was going to North Wales, oh, leave me at home. I'll be all right. And I said, no, no, you're not. <laughs> I, at the back of my mind, I thought, well, if I leave her at home and I've driven 200 miles to get to North Wales and come back and she's dead, I'd never forgive myself. Mm. You know what I mean? And and I wouldn't. I would I would never have forgiven myself. No. If I'd, if I'd have come back at 11 o'clock at night from being in North Wales and, and, and found a at home you know it passed away mm. and and i said to him i said you're not going i said you always enjoy coming with me and this that, and the other but circumstances were that she passed away while she was next to me in the car yeah and that was that was really really hard and there was there was no sign of anything so she just passed she must have fell asleep and passed away mm. and uh, i came, i came to terms with it whilst i was there at the time but when I got back, uh, I broke down in the mortuary when I went to see her in the mortuary um, and then switched, switched back on and then I drove home. And when I, when I walked into the bungalow, that was it. I'd gone. Mm. And I just remained here and I, I just what I had to do and, and, and everything else, all the, all the arrangements and the whole lot. And um, I went to see a bereavement counsellor at the uh, Undertakers who... The Undertaker's firm, a lot of the guys are, are ex-military, so there's a lot of banter between me and them <laughs> when we meet up and, and I'm doing a funeral for them. But The Undertaker's a close friend of mine and um, he did a fantastic job, an absolutely fantastic job. And The Celebrant was another close friend of mine and she did a superb job. And everybody commented on the way that I ran the funeral. I'd, I'd arranged all the funeral. I'd arranged for the band and guests that wanted to come along. Uh, I arranged, um, I planned everything. Hmm. I planned everything. Uh, she wanted, uh, I play, I used to play, I played a solo with the brass band that I made a CD on and she loved the solo. So I played that, that was part of the funeral. 
and our favourite song was uh, for the um, slideshow photos with our horses and and her son and and when we played in the band and me me getting dressed up in in my regimental blazer to go and play a last post and all this that deal and she used to love it absolutely loved it and um, obviously I'm get I am getting over it because I'm. Just have to get on with life, yeah. don't you? You know, and, and yeah. I turned seventy last week, or the week before last. And uh, congratulations, thank you. An old man, but still doing, still doing a bit for Queen, well, King and Country now. King and Country, yeah, yeah, King and Country. No and get um, to seventy, you know. Well, yeah, I know. Well, I was always fit when I was in 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 the army, so and I, I kept it up when I came out in Civvy Street and all that, and. Um, just do what I have to do, really. Looking after the animals, like the black cat who's been a pain, pain in the neck. <laughs> He's not here now, but, <laughs> you know, and all that. But like Cathy said, people grieve in different ways. Yeah. And I am I grieve through playing music, to be honest. Mm. And, and that's that's the way I look at it, because Becky, Becky loved playing with the bands and everything. And she loved coming with me when I played Last Post at up and down. <laughs> Funny story. She said to me one day, I've uh, booked you in to play, play at a funeral. I said, where at? She said, Paul. I went, Paul? <laughs> she said, what do you mean, Paul? I said, how far is that? I said, well, from here, it's about 200 miles. <laughs> so it's a 400-mile trip and get down to Paul in Dorset. <laughs> and uh, anyway, so we went down there. And uh, she she said, "Well, what? Why did you make that sort of reaction?" I said, "Because it's a long way." She said, "I thought it was Gaul in Lincolnshire, <laughs> which wouldn't have been too bad. But it's only about about ninety miles away from where I am now." <laughs> and it's so funny. Oh, some of the stuff she used to get up there was unreal, absolutely unbelievable. But yeah, as for as for grieving, I know Kathy lost a daughter, which I'm very sorry to hear. You know, and uh, and it's the same by with losing a spouse or a partner like I have, uh, and many mm-hmm. people grieve in different ways. And I've got a friend who um, who I've known for quite a while. She lost her partner some year, a couple of years ago, and she said, "I said, well, what are you doing about your grieving?" She said, "I'm, I'm grieving in silence." And I said, "Well, you can't do that." No. I said, "I know a lot of people do, but you can't grieve in silence." And she said, it "Well, just... I'll do it in my own way." I, I, I'll do it when I'm ready. I said, but it's been a long time. And I said, it may be too long and you're going to end up having a nervous breakdown or something. Mm. Or something like that, which I think she will. And she's yeah. been working so hard and she, she she cares for her auntie and her mother as well. And, and it's hard work looking after somebody. And I looked after Becky ever since she came out uh, having a stoma done in 2019. And it, it is hard work. It really is hard work caring for someone. Well, you know what it's like, Tim, when you care for your yeah. first wife. I, I did, you know, yeah. You know, it's, and it's, um, it's, it's I'm glad really that you, tough. It is hard work, you know, yeah. and, and people don't understand that. People don't understand how hard it is to look after somebody twenty four seven. Yeah, and you know, and we ne- we never we never well we did we went we went to a couple of times to Portugal on holiday and we loved we absolutely adored it in Portugal. But for, since COVID in 2020 and, and, and up until now, I've had yeah. one holiday in three years. And yeah. I just took my caravan down to Cornwall for a week, <laughs> a couple of weeks ago. You know, and, and, and it was great. It was just 
time to recharge the batteries and and get on with it and you know and that's what i'm trying to do i'm, I'm going to bereavement counseling i've got a, uh, a meeting on the 5th of october with a group of people just to talk about my experience and uh, you know i had so many messages of condolence from hundreds of people from both regiments that i'd served with and everything else you know and i'm still doing what i enjoy doing is playing music and 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 meeting lots of my old mates like yourself and, and some, of the, some of the other guys and, and what have you. I went down to Billy Friend's um, partner, Marley, and I, I played at yeah. her father's um, um, funeral down in Ipswich. You know, and... Well, I think, I think that's probably one of the best ways of, of, of dealing with, with grief and yeah. bereavement is to talk about it. Yeah. Um, I said that to this, uh, this friend of mine, Joanne. I said, you've got to talk to people. I said, I'm, I'm here 24-7. I'm, I'm retired, mm. so I can do what yeah. I want, really. I can I can stay up till 3 o'clock in the morning and get up at 6 o'clock and, and still feel as fresh as a daisy. <laughs> mm. But I don't. <laughs> but you know, I'm getting too old for that. <laughs> yeah. Well, any, anyway, thanks, Richard, for now. You're very um, welcome, buddy. We'll, we'll drop you down and we'll bring you back in in a little while. Thanks, mate. Just going to have a, another ad break <laughs> should we call it an ad break this is this is just so i can um when i edit it down I can, I can drop it into four parts so we've got some stuff coming up in the future uh i won't won't do it again just now but i'll do it again in half an hour's time but if there's a, a taboo subject that you want us to discuss to bring out into the open to normalize to to bring it into an everyday conversation, let us know. Drop it in the chat box and uh, and we'll, we'll put together a panel of special guests to talk about it all. Bullying, is it? Oh, bugling. <laughs> Bullying. <laughs> anyway, in the meantime, I noticed that there's only three people out of all you lovely people out there watching that smash the like button or the love button. So if you'd like to do that, and then we'll get on to our next guest. The Tim Heal Thirsty Thursday live stream from 7 until 9 weekly. Welcome to the Tim Hill Podcast. If you have the time, you can not only listen to the episodes, but you can also watch all the shows and you'll find the links in the description below. Thank you.